I am the steward of my LP's capital. And I need to make sure that when I'm investing in a founder, that they know how they're going to deploy that capital, that they know how they're going to make more money. So I think that's really important as well, particularly right now with where the economic environment and the cost of capital is. Hello. So here we are on another episode of Her Money Moves. And we are recording from Miami from the Latitude Conference, where we highlight that Latinos are the fifth largest GDP in the entire world. And we are here. We are the mainstream economy. We've had some really amazing speakers and guests and attendees. I think there's over a thousand people here. And I'm just so excited that I've got Rachel Tenbrink. She is the founder of Red Bike Capital, and she is a Costa Rican, powerful, exceptional woman. I heard her speak on this incredible venture capital panel earlier this week, and oh my gosh, like what an inspiring story. I'm so grateful to have you on the show and for you to share your incredible story. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so excited to have a conversation. I think there's so much positive energy and there's so much positive stories to tell about Latinos, about Latinas, about women in business. So excited to jump in. Thank you. So can you just kind of start of like your journey? I know one thing that really touched me when you were on the panel is you talked about, I don't believe, I don't like the word pivot. Instead, it's like layers of cake. So can you like tell us and describe all these different ingredients that are in those, that layered cake? Yes, thank you. So yeah, I, I was telling the story that a couple of weeks ago I was at a dinner and somebody introduced me and they said I had my career had very many pivots. And I said, I don't like the word pivot because it has this implication of you're going down the wrong direction. And my view is that life is very much cumulative and that every experience we have is like a layer in a cake that builds up where you go next. So my experience is I was born and raised in Latin America. I was born and raised in Costa Rica. I came here as a teenager. One of the most beautiful places in the world. I am pretty lucky. I I was there for Christmas and New Year's and I didn't want to leave. I was there with my kids and we had the most amazing time ziplining and just playing in the ocean every day. It is beautiful. It's very green. And it's it's therapeutic. I mean, the energy there, it's so healing. Yes. I believe it's one of the blue zones. It is. I mean, there's a lot of research. It's fascinating. I've actually dug very deep into that, into why it is a green zone and it's a lot of a blue zone and it's a lot about obviously the environment, the diet, but it's also community. And I think that ties very much to what we're talking about here of older people staying within their communities, talking to each other, helping each other. And I think that it's an interesting lesson to see that it's not just It doesn't only feel good, it actually extends lifespan. But anyways, born and raised in Costa Rica, I came to college in Boston and started my career at Gillette. From there, did my MBA, moved to New York, went to Columbia Business School, and then spent the next 15 years of my career as an operator building billion-dollar brands. I worked for Estee Lauder, I worked for L'Oreal, Elizabeth Arden. But at some point, I knew that I wanted to get I was thinking a lot about technology and the rate of innovation, and I really wanted to be a hip I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So in 2014, I met my co-founders. We started a company called Scentbird. That's an e-commerce fragrance subscription. We were backed by Y Combinator. For those that don't know Y Combinator, it's the most prestigious accelerator in the tech world. It's where Airbnb came out of Coinbase. It's Harder to get into that than like Stanford. It's extremely, extremely competitive, but it's also some of the best performing technology companies. Very proud to say we raised $30 million in venture capital, which by the way, 
makes wow. me one of 90 Latinas that's ever raised over a million dollars. At the time, we were the largest woman-led A-round in New York City. So really, I've experienced exactly what it is to fundraise. As a founder, I've sat in those founders' shoes and been through those meetings and spent a long time building Scentbird from my role as one of four founders was leading growth and revenue. So we can definitely talk about how do you acquire customers? How do you think about lifetime value? How do you think about revenue? How do you build profitable businesses? And then the other side of my role were the B2B sales. So how do you, the enterprise clients, we had Cody, Macy's, Glossier, Sephora. How did you build those communities? How do you build those relationships? How do you negotiate those contracts? So Scentbird did phenomenally well. It's well over $100 million in revenue right now. Company is still doing phenomenally well. But a couple of years ago, again, we go back to the third layer. I started to think about what I love to do and what really matters to me and what I want my legacy to be. And what I really love is working with early stage founders. I love that magical inflection point where you just start to see product market fit and you can really scale businesses. And what I found is I was doing a lot of work working with founders. I was a bunch of advisory boards, particularly helping a lot of women and diverse founders. And at some point, me and my partner, his name is Herman, my partner in the fund, we started angel investing. And we had this moment where we were chatting and he's like, you have incredible deal flow. And I was like, yeah, these are my friends. I'm a founder. They all know founders. Everybody refers. And he's like, well, why don't we put some money into this? Why don't we start? So, I mean, very small checks. It was our personal capital. There were small amounts of money, but really worked hard with the founders to be hands-on investors, to be value-added. We had incredible results. We ended up investing in 18 companies. We've had an exit, really good experience. And that became the foundation of layer number three, which is what I'm building now, which is Red by Capital. Oh, wow. Incredible. Especially the value that you add because you've been in that seat. You've been that founder. You've been that operator. That's incredible. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that there are many ways to come to venture capital. I think some people come from a purely financial background. Some people come from a purely technical background. And some people are operators like myself. And I think that there are such advantages in terms of just part of it is technical. I actually know how to grow businesses, which is extremely important, particularly as we're investing it's in. it's all about. It's early stage, right? <laughs> these, I always say these are my baby companies. They need to grow. I'm selling rocket fuel. I need to see them fly off. But so there's a, sort of the tactical, like, how do you do this? How do you drive growth? But I think there's also this sort of a trained eye that you start to understand. Having been a founder myself, having had so many other colleagues that were founders, seeing who was able to scale their business and who was not and where the challenges were in terms of business model, but also in terms of temperament, in terms of what kind of founder succeeds and why. There's nothing like having been in those shoes. So do you have some advice or some of those things that you have noticed of the successes and the failures and the kind of advice that you're able to give to them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think share with our audience. Absolutely. I think that there is a piece that is what we call product founder fit. I think that's insanely important. I always say it's like, were you put on this earth to build this company? Because it is that hard to build a company. And if you don't feel that mission that you were put here to build this, it's extremely hard. So I think that level of conviction, number one, but also that level of knowledge and insight. One of the things that we really look at is founders who have category expertise in what they're building. And sometimes that is somebody who's had a career in those 
those industries and saw where the white space is. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's young founders who see an opportunity. But what I want to know is if you're a young founder that saw an opportunity, you've been building this for the last six months. Did you like live and breathe that category? Did you learn absolutely everything? I think one of the big red flags I see is sometimes I'll meet a founder and they're like, yeah, kind of saw this. It's a no brainer. We just saw this opportunity. We know we can make money in it. And I'm like, it's really hard. Yeah, you, you have to have, have the passion. Right? You have the passion and you have to understand what you're getting into. I think particularly we invest in fintech, for example, or even SaaS. These are highly, there's a lot of regulation. There's a lot of places that you can really stumble and you need to understand. So I think that's one part. I think the other part is like that conviction. I always, the way I describe it is you need to have that personality that can bash through walls, but also. Like the Kool-Aid man. Yes. <laughs> Think about the Kool-Aid man, but you also have to have intellectual curiosity to listen to the feedback, to sometimes kind of look around the corner. Don't necessarily have to bash that wall. I could take that staircase, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's also a very important attribute for founders. And then the third one I will say is just know your numbers, attention to the business model, to how are you going to make money, having that clear vision. I'm a venture capitalist. It's in my title. Mm -hmm. And so I am the steward of my LP's capital. And I need to make sure that when I'm investing in a founder, that they know how they're going to deploy that capital, that they know how they're going to make more money. So I think that's really important as well, particularly right now with where the economic environment and the cost of capital is. We were talking about your layered cake. And during your talk, I was over there nudging my neighbor. Oh, my God, tres leches, you know. So what else has brought you where you are today? So one of the things that I think is really important is I always say this. I am fully aware that I am one of 29 Latinas that are general partners in the United States out of a population of 63 million people. Wow. Think about it. That's incredible. You know, I think sometimes people talk in percentages and you start to lose the impact of just how tiny a sliver and how difficult it is to be a woman and to be a Latina in venture capital. But the other thing I really think about when I hear those statistics is, look, I don't want to be the exception. I want to be the example. And how do I think about setting the example? How do I build it for the next generation? So for me, I really take a community first approach. And that I really do think about it sort of in a couple of bullet points. I think part of it is being very proactive and having a voice in the community. I love this opportunity to have a conversation with you and be in this great podcast. I've been the keynote speaker for AWS Female Founders Fund. I've been on multiple panels, but I think the reason I do it is not because like, I need the glory, whatever. But it's really because I want that young Latina woman. I have an 11-year-old daughter. I want her to see me. Mine's turning 11 too. <laughs> oh, we can talk yeah. about it. They grow up so fast. <laughs> too fast, yes. Too fast. And so for me, that's really important. I want to see that young Latinas see this and think, okay, this is doable. These are not easy. And I don't want to tell anybody it's easy, but it's out there. So for me, like that, having a community voice and being very visible is very important. I also very specifically, I'm very involved with Latinas in tech. And I think what I love about that one is creating more jefas. So again, that's so aligned with what I care about. I want to create more jefas. And finally, I'm very active with the Latino corporate board directors because I think about like, how do we bring people early in their career to elevate them? But also, how do we bring Latinos fully to the conversation, right? Because in the end, I think that we need to grow into our own power. 
And that is a power that we can have as capital allocators. That is a power that we can have in strategically directing companies. I think those are incredibly important ways that Latinos can contribute to this country. That's amazing. And that's what this show is about. How are you also building up your community and how are you increasing that pipeline so that you're not the exception and that there's more GPs out there? Yes. And I'm also a member of LCDA. I just joined. They do a fantastic job. They do a fantastic job. And I think that for so many of us that have worked for a long time, that have frankly achieved very much in our career, yet felt very lonely. I think a lot of times we felt like we were the only, we were the only woman in the room, the only Latina in the room. I think it's highly motivating when you're in a room with all these other incredibly talented, you're like, oh my God, I found my people, yes, right? Yes. And I think that if there's one thing that I strive for is like that building community, building bridges, how do we create more connectivity in our community? How do we help each other? Because that's how we succeed. Yeah. And it's conferences like this one, like yeah. Latitude, it's the LCDA, annual convening, yes. it's all of these things, the Tejano Tech Summit, the Dreaming Bigger Summit that yes. brings people together yes. and helps to really energize our communities. Yeah. Things start with just a nugget of an idea. Sometimes it's just a conversation. But we don't know where that can take us. And I think we can really build so much more. And and again, I think part of it is just we met fairly recently and I think, how did we not know each other, I right? Know, <laughs> just different coasts. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but I see you. I see you. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's so important, like you said, for our 11-year-old daughters. And my 16-year-old son. I also care a lot that he watches. He has to see it too. That's also very important. Yes, Absolutely. So I would love to hear about, you've accomplished so much in your career and what are some things that you're kind of striving for next? What's next? What are you dreaming bigger about? Yeah. So right now I'm fully focused on Red by Capital. And what I'm trying to build is the venture capital firm that I wish had existed when I was a founder. I think about founders, I think about women, I think about Latinas, and, and we invest in, in the best founders. I just happen to have a really good diverse deal flow. And I really do say that we are really focused on the best talent, but we sit in rooms that others don't. We have communities, we have networks, and that is so important. And that's exactly why I'm so passionate about building Red by Capital, because I think that the way you change it is you bring diversity to both sides of the cap table. That's where the power is. So for me, right now, we're raising Fund One. We are actively working with companies and investing. These things are really mission. It's about obviously bringing best-in-class returns to our LPs, And I think we have incredible deal flow. We see incredible companies. And I think that what really differentiates us is our ability to help those founders, to really dig in there and, and call them and be like, hey, I met this person. They can help you as a client. They can help you because they know this specific area that you're building in. They understand what this client is looking for. We spend a lot of time with our founders. I joke that I'm a professional door opener, and that's what I strive to be. So yeah, right now, my passion, my vision is about building Red by Capital. We think about startups that power the economy and improve people's lives. We specifically invest in fintech, SaaS, and health and wellness. And we think very deeply about each of these categories, where there are opportunities financially, where the next great tech startups will be built, but also where we can leave the world a little better. And where did Red by Capital, the name, come from? Can you share that story? Sure, sure. So there's a fabulous story. When Muhammad Ali was an 11-year-old boy, he had a red bike and his bike got stolen. And he went to a cop and he told the cop, I want to whoop this guy. 
And the cops said, well, if you want to whoop this guy, you better learn how to fight. Turns out the policeman was actually a boxing coach that had a boxing gym and became Cassius Clay Muhammad Ali's first boxing coach. And so that idea of being that first coach, that's going to be tough because I'm going to be tough. I'm going to tell you how it is, right? But I'm going to train you and I'm going to help you get in that direction. That to me really resonated so much with Red Bike. And then the other part of it a little bit is red's the color of good fortune. And I think we all need good fortune. And bike, because startups are not trains. They don't go in a straight line and slow, steady stops. You got to hustle. But if you go far, fast and efficiently, that's the kind of startups we want to invest in. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Rachel, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. We've been trying to get together for coffee and this was just so much better. (laughs) (laughs) So fun. No, thank you for the opportunity. And I think what you're building is just (laughs) awe-inspiring. Thank you. And all the best Thank you. you with Red Bike Capital. Thank and hopefully you. we'll be on the panel for South by Southwest 2024 so. at our, our Latina I hope, I hope we're celebrating that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so can you let us know how we can connect with you, how we can continue to, to follow what you're doing? Absolutely. And- so I'm really active on LinkedIn and Twitter. So those are definitely the best places to reach me. Uh, Rachel Tenbrink on LinkedIn and Twitter are Tenbrink1 or Red by Capital. DMs are open, I, very accessible. I love to hear from people and I try to be thoughtful. Obviously, one of the biggest challenges as a VC is always time. Oh, yes. I do. <laughs> I always say time is currency. And yes. oh my gosh, we just don't, there's not enough hours in a day. It's a very challenging piece of venture capital. I don't know if it gets talked about a lot. But the truth is venture capital is a numbers game. And we do meet with a lot of founders that may or may not be a fit for our portfolio for a million reasons, right? Some of them related to our own portfolio construction, some of them related to startup, but that's just the reality. And so it's very challenging because you're meeting with a lot of people, but, you know, it might be a one-off conversation. You might not talk to them again until three years later, but you have to manage all your time. You also have your LPs and you have a responsibility to your LPs. But most importantly is we want to support our founders. And so how do I allocate my time? How do you manage all of that? Oh, I do. <laughs> you know how? If you want something done, give it to a busy mom. That's my, <laughs> that's my advice. And I do think about that a lot is there is a relentless prioritization. I look at my calendar and I color code. And if I realize that it's going too far, like if the colors on my calendar do not reflect my priorities, I need to rethink that. So that's a lot of what I do. Okay. I feel like we need a breakout workshop on the color coding. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. And so excited to see you soon. Definitely see you in New York and Austin and probably everywhere. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited for this podcast. It's going to be huge. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.